Hello everyone, I'm Pastor Rick Hawkins of Quest Church in Norman, Oklahoma. I want to thank you all for joining us today. This podcast is going to be informative, insightful, and inspirational for your life. Listen every week because we'll have a special word just for you. First um, Chronicles chapter 11, let's just look at it for a moment. Then all Israel gathered themselves to David at Hebron's, and they said these words, Behold, we are your bone and your flesh. Interesting terminology. In time past, even when Saul was king, you led us out and you brought us in. And the Lord your God said unto you, Feed my people Israel, and you shall be a leader among them. Therefore came all the elders of Israel to the king at Hebron, And David made a covenant with them in Hebron before the Lord. They anointed him king over Israel according to the word of Samuel. Listen carefully. And David and all Israel went to Jerusalem where the Jebusites were, the inhabitants of the land. And the inhabitants of Jebus said to David, or the Jebusites said to David, you shall not come in here. Nevertheless, David took the castle of Zion, which is the city of David. I'm going to continue this series on the word alliance, but I'm going to call this message today, Our Advantage is in Our Alliance. Can you say those words to a few people around you? Our advantage is in our alliance. If I was going to subtitle it, I'd go strictly country on you. And say this, we're going to get it, but we're going to get it together. Amen. <laughs> say that too. Just say it just like that to folks. Right? It's a little Cajun right there. We're going to get it, but we're going to get it together, right? Father, I pray that you allow a conspicuous anointing to lead us and guide us in the truth today. Because truth is what sets people free. And really, that's all we want. We want truth because we know the dynamics of truth. We know the definition of truth. We know the description of truth. It's freedom. And we give you praise that truth will reign supreme in this house today. Lord, while we're praying, we're going to go ahead and break every generational curse in Jesus' name and dismiss every generational spirit. And Lord, I call even in the preface of this message, in this prayer time, a sense of unity, a sense of forging and fortifying to come upon this house. Bless these, your people, indeed, in Jesus' name. Now, I want you to look at three people and tell them, we're going to get it, but we're going to get it together. And I know you said it already. And then you may, be, you may be seated. As I was in prayer at about 2 a.m. about what to preach today, the Lord spoke to me and said, share the exact introduction that you shared last week once again. So without hesitation, I said yes and amen because I knew that would require less study. (laughs) And 
I said, God, I've got that all written out. That'll be an easy thing to do. So I'm going to recite it to you once again. I pray it resonates with something in your heart concerning where you are as a people and where we are as a nation. I said these words last week that once again, deep polarization will begin, or a deeper polarization will begin to deepen its stronghold in the earth, and differences will be expressed, feelings will emerge, and politics, race, and religion will take center stage again in 2023, the remainder of this year, and throughout 2024. We will enter this election year with fierce, ugly, and diabolical dialogue that will sever relationships and it will expose opposing views of right and wrong, what is moral, what is immoral, justice, and injustice. What is happening in Israel is a prophetic glimpse that requires not a political discussion, but a theological discussion. I wrote, let me just deviate just for a moment, take a diversion here. I wrote on my Facebook page, I think it was two days ago, that I am literally astonished at the ignorance of some preachers and pastors uh, in regards to Israel, both historically and through the eyes of eschatology. I'm amazed that people do not have a better understanding and a better knowledge of Israel, I'm going to say it again, Israel, historically and through the lens of eschatology. You must understand that if you look at this through the paradigm of your experience with politics, you're going to be confused. But if you can just pull up for a moment the telescopic lens of prophecy, you will see with great clarity and understanding. It's not real confusing. What is going on goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. And it reminds us of the temperament, the personality, the intention of three specific individuals, namely Lot, Ishmael, and Esau. And if you will study what is happening through Scripture, you will come to an understanding that those three people play a very important role in what is happening right now in the Middle East. Numbers chapter 24 and verse 9 says, Blessed is everyone who blesses you, O Israel. And cursed is everyone that curses you, O Israel. I said last week, and I'm going to say it again today emphatically, we stand with Israel. Preachers are going to ever address subjects that are so pronounced in the news. This is the one to address. 
Israel. Deuteronomy 7, verse 6, when God speaks of Israel, he says, you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you, Israel, out of all the people on the face of the earth to be his people. Israel, you are his treasured possession. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than the other people. For actually, you were the fewest of all people. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery and from the power of Pharaoh, the king of of Egypt. The world is watching. Heaven is watching. Who will forge and who will forget their alliance to Israel? The world is watching and heaven is watching. Who will forge or who will forget their alliance with Israel? Hamas means violence, wrongdoing. In the Hebrew, Hebrew vocabulary of Scripture, the word Hamas is mentioned 60 times in reference to violence and wrongdoing. All the way back to Genesis chapter 6, in verse 11, where the Bible says, The earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with Hamas. The earth was filled with violence. This spirit goes all the way back to the bearership of time. We are not six chapters into Scripture, and we find the word Hamas. Violence filled the earth. There's a spirit of violence that has been released from the devil himself that has filled this earth. It's not just violence in the Middle East. It's violence in New York City. It's violence in Los Angeles. It's violence in France where a terrorist will walk into a schoolroom and shoot a teacher in the name of Hamas right in front of a class filled with kids. This is not God's doing. This is the doing of the devil himself. If you tolerate Hamas in any way, if you celebrate Hamas in any way, if you negotiate with the spirit of violence in any way, you're missing the hand of God in the most critical hour of history. Hamas is not of the Lord God, Jehovah, Jehovah Nissi, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Sitkanu. You want me to keep going? There's only one God. So I'll conclude this thought with this scripture. For God so loved the world. That includes Jews, 
Greeks, Americans, Palestinians. God loved the entire world, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him would not perish, but they would have everlasting life. My question to you is what will happen if the people in Gaza, the Palestinians, the people who have even been terrorists, begin to drop to their knees and confess that Jesus is Lord? We must celebrate and embrace them just as quick as you would if your third cousin on your mama's side got saved and gave their life to Jesus Christ. God loved the world that much. Everybody good? In 2019, God gave me three words, and I'll never forget where I was when it happened, and I'll never forget the very moment he spoke it to me. And he said, these three words will dictate the next decade of time. And these three words are specifically adjustments, assignments, and alignments. Adjustments have to do with you. That you must adjust yourself to the point of reformation, not just transformation. Hebrews chapter 10, and you should go home and study it, tells us that there would be a time in history for a new order. The new order in Greek means a time of reformation. That we have entered into a time now, a duration, not a season, a duration, that the people of God must begin to come into an adjusted posture to the will of God and the way of God. And the Lord showed me the Holy Ghost being a spiritual chiropractor to the body of Christ, popping things into adjustment. The second word was assignments. This has to do with your task, not just task, but plural, task, which means your purpose in the earth and what is included in that purpose. Again, this is concerning you. And the third word that God spoke to me was the word alignments. Alignments have to do with alliances or those that are allies in your life. As we have entered into 2023 and about to cross over to 2024, now I see these words emerging again in my spirit. It's like God keeps bringing me back to these same three words. Anything that is not in alignment will always pull against you. If you drive a car that is out of alignment, it will always be fighting you to cross the line. And when you cross the line, you put yourself in danger. And it's time for us to come into proper alignment to the place we find our assignment. Alignments, alliance, and acknowledgement of allies. Alliance, I said this last week, is similar to but different than agreement. 
You can agree with someone that you are not aligned with, but you would not align yourself with someone that you are not in agreement with. Amos 3.3 says, How can two walk together except they be agreed? You should never align yourself with people you are not in agreement with. The purpose of agreement is to engage or to come into gear. The only reason two gears meet is to cause motion or movement. That tells me that when we disagree, we disengage. When we disagree, we come out of gear. Where there is disagreement, nothing is moving. Where there is disagreement, there is no motion. There, when there is disagreement, you've got activity, but you do not have progress. Activity does not denote movement. Only one thing causes us to move forward in our prophetic purpose, and that is walking in agreement. Agreement vertically and agreement horizontally. There are three that agree in heaven, and there are three that agree in earth. Agreement is not just a promise. Agreement is a divine principle that God imparted in the earth for people to enjoy, for people to employ in order to move forward in their prophetic lives. Boy, I just said a lot that you ain't saying nothing about, but I'm going to let you just deal with it a little bit. When you align yourself, you join forces. An alliance is bringing together resources. An alliance is a relationship. Alliance is the state of being joined. When we look at our text, we're going to draw a personal perspective of what is your proper and your improper alliances. Are we good so far? Let's go back to 1 Chronicles chapter 11. Everybody smile and let me and give your face a break. It's all good. Amen. Who loves Jesus in this building? Let me, let me check, y'all. Is there any Jesus lovers in the building? How about fanatics? Is there any Jesus fanatics in the building? How about crazies? Is there any Jesus crazies in the building? It's all about Jesus, isn't it? And he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. When you look at our text, historically, the people of God are divided, and I won't go into a long dissertation about this, but I'll show you how. Ishbosheth is leading one group of people. David is leading the other. You all know this contextually. And God's people now have been divided for seven and a half years. So your question would be, who is Ishbosheth? He is the son of Saul, which means he carries Saul's DNA. 
Saul is a temperamental individual who has a tendency to operate out of compulsion and not out of patience. Saul exhibited on many occasions that crisis compels him to act out of character. And this is what David is dealing with, another leader that is operating in the true DNA of Saul. Always operating out of compulsion. Is this too much context for you? I just love when preachers set it up. Some people are interested in the setup and other folks are like, get through the setup. I want to get to the to the real. Let, let, let me just enjoy my setup. So here you have Saul, who really represents activity of the flesh. He's driven by an independent spirit, and he never embraces an interdependent lifestyle. I can do what I need to do, and I can do it by myself. If the priests don't show up in time, I will exit my office as a king, and I'll begin to act like a priest. And when he began to do the work of a priest, what he was never anointed to be, that's when God said, I will tear my kingdom from you. That's pretty strong vocabulary. He didn't say, I will take it from you. I will tear it from you. Because you are choosing to operate in a place I did not ordain you to operate in. When you begin to act like something you're not anointed or called to act in, God will always look at you as a person who has refused to receive ordination. Everybody say this with me. We bind the devil out of our sound system. Uh, God, I don't believe the devils live in sound systems. I was just being facetious. But just in case I'm wrong. Every week we have a problem with the sound system, it seems like. But we're going to bind the devil out the sound system, if that's possible. All right. Remind me where I was. I didn't think you were listening. We were in First Chronicles chapter 11 and verse 1. Then all Israel... I'm sorry. Then how many? All. Then all Israel gathered themselves to David in Hebron. And they said these words, Behold, we are your bone and we are your flesh. Now what is divided is starting to create a confluence. A confluence is more than one stream running in the same direction. 
When you create confluence, more than one stream of influence that will flow together. Did you hear what I just said? When influence flows in the same direction, it creates confluence. Confluence creates a gravitational pull because everything is going in the same direction. We are bone of your bone. This is what they said. We are flesh of your flesh. We are coming to you from Ishbosheth. We are ready to unite. Say these words with me. Commitment through communion. Hebron, let's talk about it. It's not just any place. Its history is so significant. Hebron is the place that Abraham pitched his first tent and built his first altar. Hebron is where Sarah, his wife, died. Hebron is where Joshua won one of his greatest victories. Hebron is a part of Caleb's inheritance. Hebron is where Samson carried the doors of the city. Hebron is the place given to David to be a covering. Hebron is significant. Hebron means the place of communion, the place of commitment, and the place of alliance. Hebron literally means to be joined together. These people came to David and made a commitment to him. And they did it by using words of covenant and words of communion. They used these words. We are bone and flesh to you. Where did we hear that? Adam said of the woman that God brought to him, you are now bone of my bone and you are flesh of my flesh. They made a commitment by using words of covenant and communion. Woo. They made a what? Commitment. That word is so foreign to this generation. Now, I wasn't going to preach, but I feel this thing. Because church has almost become like high school uh, recruits. They sign letters of commitment, especially in reference to their ability to enjoy NIL, name, image, and likeness, which brings them enormous amounts of money. Well, they will commit as long as the commitment is a benefit. But they will decommit if that team starts losing because they don't want to be connected to losers. They want to be connected to winners because it makes their name, their image, and their likeness a better profile. Are y'all with me today? And that's how the church has become. 
We commit and then we decommit as easily as we committed. Talk back to me. The church today knows nothing about the word commitment. Commitment is not just dedication. It is dedication with application. Commitment. It is an agreement to do something in the future. Commitment. An agreement to do something in the future. You do not know if people are committed to a relationship until it comes time to prove it. Come on in this bill. You do not know if people are committed to a relationship until it comes time to prove the commitment. Commitment is not language, honey. Commitment is life. You do not know if they are committed until it is time to do something. Our nation's commitment to Israel is being tested like never before in history. Now it's time to know if you're going to just show up or if you are here to really help. Talk is cheap. Oh, I thought y'all would be shouting by now. You know why you're not shouting? Because no one likes the word commitment because commitment at its root means you have sold out to the relationship. And nobody wants to sell out. We'll give some. We'll give part. But give all. God forbid that we should be like our Christ who didn't give some of his heart. He gave his entire heart. He didn't give some of his life. He gave his entire life. And commitment today in the church operates on the principle of convenience. If it's not convenient, then I'm not going to commit. And I came by to tell you that is not living a sacrificial lifestyle. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, in view of God's mercies, that you present yourselves as a living sacrifice, wholly committed. Commitment is a foreign word to this generation. The worst mistake you can ever make in building relationships is to commit yourself to someone that is not committed to you. And we'll say it again. The worst mistake that you can ever make in building relationships is to commit yourself to someone who is not fully committed to you. The worst mistake a leader can ever make is to commit himself to a people that are not fully committed to him. Therefore, you have half-cocked congregations and half-cocked pastors, which means we're not fully loaded. We're not fully in. We're always on reserve. We're always suspicious. We're always not sure. We don't try because we don't trust. They came to this place called Hebron. Hebron means communion, but they came 
with words of commitment. They spoke first, Vicky. He didn't say anything. They said, I'm talking to you because you you're probably the best listener. <laughs> they said, you, we are your bone and your flesh. He didn't say anything. They committed. And once they committed, then he made covenant. Notice the place where it happened. Where? What's the name of the place? What does it mean? Communion. You know, I'm going to just talk about this for a minute. I just believe we have totally misunderstood communion. For some reason, we treat communion almost like salvation. You know, like, oh, man, if I receive communion, if I'm not right with God, I'm going to die. I'm going to drop dead right here. Well, let me help you. You ain't right. <laughs> and I can promise you, when you see, receive communion today, you ain't going to drop dead. We take that scripture totally out of context. And what we must understand is the purpose of communion is exactly what it says for us to come into common union. The purpose of communion is to get the people back together. So when I called Josh this morning, we didn't promote communion because I don't like promoting communion because that's almost fake. Because then people come that, to satisfy their Catholic history. Hmm. Communion is much deeper than that. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 16, what is communion? The cup of blessing that you bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? Listen, the bread which we break is it not the communion of the body of Christ? And we stop reading there. That gives us no definition. Verse 17 is the definition. For we being many are one bread. We being many are one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. The purpose of communion is to remind us that we are one body. We are one bread. We are one people. Communion comes from those two words, common union. It's the coming together of lives. It's the uniting of dreams. It's the, it's the idea of we do life together. You're just not my fellow church member. You are my family. We don't attend the same church. We belong to the same family. That's what communion is. It's not that we attend the same congregation. We belong to the same family. So Paul, when he writes this to the Corinthians, he's writing to a church that's very segregated. <laughs> I don't know if you know that about Corinth, but they're very segregated. Some saying I was baptized by Apollos. Some saying I was baptized by this one. Some saying I was baptized, I follow him. And some were saying, yeah, but I follow him. And I, yeah, but I follow him. Segregated. Can I just help you? You can't have seven pastors. Oh. 
You can't belong to seven pastors. You can't belong to seven churches. You have to find your church. And you know, I probably should teach on that. Now, as a matter of fact, I'll come back and show you scripturally how this is correct. I'll leave that there. So he's writing a church that is segregated, and David is facing the same situation in 1 Chronicles chapter 11. And God says after seven and a half years, it's time for y'all to get it together and stop being divided. So they say, David, we are your bone and we are your flesh. The same words Adam used about Eve. Woman, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Boy, I could preach on this all day. Because the truest relationship of covenant is this, structure and sensitivity. The purpose of covenant relationship is to bring bone to the relationship, to bring structure to the relationship. Your skeletal structure is your strength. Your flesh is your sensitivity, your feel. That's why it's not good for a man to be alone because he don't feel things right. He never has complete structure because he's incomplete without the purpose or partner of purpose. Giovanna helps bring structure to me and she helps bring sensitivity to me. And prayerfully, I do the same for her. Are y'all following that thought? Okay. And that's why the Bible says in Ephesians 5.30, we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. church should be a place that helps you structure life. The church should be a place that helps you have sensitivity about things you are going through. They can sense you. They can feel you. The, purpose, the person next to you should not be looking at you crazy and side-eyed. They should be feeling you. Like, what is my brother facing today? What did he go through this week? What kind of battle has he fought? Lord, help me to be sensitive to his needs. Help me to be sensitive to his hurts and his weaknesses and help me to bring strength to the places of their weakness because that's why you build a body. And that's why Paul told them in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10, be perfectly joined together. Be perfectly joined together, which means perfectly meaning you are vulnerable and open to be repaired and to be adjusted. When you are fitting perfectly in a local assembly, you allow yourself to let God repair you right in the family. You don't hide in the corner and deal with it by yourself. You don't go lay in a fetal position in your bedroom and say, I got to handle this alone. 
alone know you are among a people that are for you to be repaired. They are for you to be adjusted. Even if that adjustment has to come by way of correction, you are still locked in because you are perfectly joined to the body. God is good. And verse 3 says, David made a covenant to their commitment. David made a covenant with them in Hebron. David did not make a covenant until they made a commitment. It is detrimental to make a covenant or alliance to a people who have not committed to be agreeable. Boy, that's strong vocabulary. And most often, that covenant is made by a pledge. The preferred meaning of this word is bond or to be bound together. Are y'all with me so far? Covenant, to be bound together, to bond, to be bound together. Whew. If you ever try to glue two things together, and you let them set apart long enough for the glue to dry, y'all just missed that right there. You try to glue two things together, but you left them apart long enough for the glue to dry, then when you want the glue to really work, it don't work because it's dried up. What did you just say, Pastor Rick? When you stay separated from your joining place long enough, you get dried up and you can't stick no more because you've been so busy doing your own thing that you feel uncomfortable now to be joined in the place that God sent you to be joined. Man, I'm from old school church. You know that church that used to... You know, y'all remember the song, Bind Us Together. And everybody started crying. Because everybody was, you know, it was just so dear to them to be bound to a family, to be bonded together. And then we progressed in our music and we started singing, You're my brother, you're my sister, take me by the hand. Remember that? And we'd all cry because it was the thought of, oh, we're one big family. I think that was the last song written about unity. Now we don't sing those kinds of songs no more about coming together and being bound together and forming a bond of covenant. Boy, it's quiet in this building. You say, Pastor Rick, what is, what is it all about? I told you in the beginning, we're going to get it. But we're going to get it together. We're going to get it but we're going to get it together. I'm going to close it out with this thought. When you look at verse 4 of our text, the Bible says David, and there's those two words again, and all Israel went to Jerusalem to capture his city. The purpose of commitment and covenant is for you to capture what is yours. I'm going to get mine, but I'm going to get it a lot faster if we get it together. Did y'all just hear that? David was going to get it, but he was not going to get that city any faster than he got it when those two came together. 
when those people came to him and said, we are bone of your bone and flesh of your flesh, now he said, let's take the dead gum city. What are you saying, Pastor Rick? There is stuff that belongs to you. It's got your name on it, and you're wondering why you don't have it. It's because you won't build covenant with the house of God and the people of God. You will not commit to the house of God and the people of God. When you are in a family, a family is forged, a family is fortified to conquer anything that would resist them. Two are better than one. And a threefold cord is not easily broken. If one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. Do you not see the dynamics of being joined to a local assembly that says we are for you and we are believing God that everything that belongs to you, you are going to enjoy. We're going to pray with you. We're going to fast with you. We're going to worship with you. And guess what the enemy said? The enemy said, you will not get in here. But what the enemy did not realize and the enemy did not recognize is that what was segregated and separated is now joined in covenant and communion. And now they can conquer anything. Therefore, the Bible says, nevertheless, they took the city. Boy, I could preach on this. I better close this. I could preach on this all day. I'm going to stop. Because the Jebusites literally means to trod you underfoot by way of intimidation. The enemy is all about intimidating you out of your possession. The enemy is all about keeping you down. The enemy is all about trodden. He's just walking all over the people of God. It's the spirit of intimidation and fear. But I'm telling you, when the people of God come together, Bone of bone, flesh of flesh, one person, same mind, speaking the same thing. Then there's nothing that the enemy can stop us from possessing. The enemy said, you will not get in here. Here's what the Bible says. Nevertheless, they took the city. Stop being disjointed. If you're going to be anything, be double-jointed. What does that even mean? People don't even know what that means. You ever seen somebody that's double-jointed? They'll take that finger right there and just bend it all the way back to their wrist. And you'll go, my God, that's amazing. That thing made out of plastic? No, they are double-jointed. What does that mean? They got two joints? No, it's one joint that has what is called hypermobility in it which means it has the ability to stretch beyond what is normal. If we could build relationships that will stretch us and we're willing to be double-jointed enough to allow God to put hypermobility in our life, when people are acting stupid, we stay with them and we love them and we long for them and we pray for them and we believe for them. But let me tell you something. I don't care how double-jointed you are. You cannot keep a person in the body that desires to be disjointed. Have you ever had your finger knocked out of joint? Just your little finger, that little old finger right there. A ball hit, something happened, 
and that thing went 90 on you. It was right here, now it's this way. That is pain that is, un and, and guess what? You don't want to touch it. I've done it before and saw my finger looking that way. And I'm like, I can't touch it. It's killing me. And then somebody on the basketball court just come and grab it and pull it back and pop it right back in. You go, oh, thank God. It feels so much better. But somebody had to help. Sometimes you're so disjointed that the pain you're going through, you can't fix it yourself. You need somebody else to come along and help you get popped back into joint. I prayed for this church because, oh man, there's so much to say. The book of Zechariah tells us about a spirit that was released in the earth that is a spirit of scattering that came to terrorize the people of God. To fray them is the word it uses. Uh, and it's really a division, to, to divide them. At no other time in history is nations being tested and their alliances, and it's a sign in the natural of what's going on in the supernatural. At no other time has churches been under the test of where are you, and are you locked in, and are you an ally, or are you an enemy? Are you here to gather, or are you here to scatter? There's only two spirits in the earth, the spirit of gathering, and the spirit of scattering. That's the words of Jesus. And you belong to one of those two spirits. My prayer for you since 1.30 this morning. And if I'm lying, my wife's sitting right here and she'll say, Ricky, you're lying. Since 1.30 this morning, I've been praying for this church. That God would remove a spirit of division to this level. Lord, anyone that is not for us. Not with us, for us, would find a place that they can be for, would find a pasture that they can root for and pray for and believe in and trust and get under his authority and get under his covering. Take them to those places, Lord. Open those doors and let them be happy and satisfied and enjoy that. But any spirit that is here that is pulled to pull people off in a corner to tell them to come do another thing that is not ordained, that is not endorsed by this house, that they would recognize it immediately and say, no, God has not called me to do it. Have you checked that with the pastors of this house? That's been my prayer for y'all. The last thing that I want you to be is confused. I'm going to tell you, I was talking to JC about this the other day. This is a miserable time to be pastoring. Is that honest enough? This is a hell of a time to pastor people. I'm talking about historically. Because there's so much pulling on people. So many opinions. Man, I, I, I discovered people that I thought really believed the Bible don't even really believe the Bible. I don't want to pastor a church like that. I really don't. And I'm being as sincere. You want me to take my coat off, my shirt? What do you want me to do? I'll do whatever necessary. 
to be as real with you as possible. I'm saying that simply because that's what Jonathan did to David. He took it all off and he said, here I am. And I'm telling you, I'm taking it all off for you. And I'm telling you, it's very important for you to find a church you love. It's very important for you to find a pastor you believe in. That you can look at that pastor and say, hey, pastor, we're your bones and we're your flesh. We're here to bring structure and sensitivity, not chaos and confusion. We are here to solidify and forge this place. And that's all, that's all we're asking for. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about you're committed here because we let you speak in the pulpit. I'm not, I'm not telling you to commit here because we allow you to stand and teach. I'm talking about you are two words, all in. All in. You're here. This is heavy on my heart because what's going on in the earth is a sign. What's going on in the natural is a sign of what's going on in the supernatural. We're not condemning anyone. We're not condescending to anyone. We're encouraging people. Man, if you can't, anything that is out of joint is out of order. If it's out of joint, it's out of order. If you're not doing it under spiritual authority, if you're not doing it under the authority of the local church, then you're doing it out of order. The question is, why would you do that? When we're so liberal in regards to ordaining and anointing people to do ministry. That's what we do. That's why we've got all these Q groups. Man, there's nothing worse than having a boat full of people and everybody's paddling. And you got one guy and he's got his leg in the water. <laughs> and everybody paddling and this dude got his whole leg in the water. And you're saying, bro, can you get your leg back in the boat? You ain't even got to paddle, man. Just sit there and be quiet. You ain't got a paddle. Some of you, I'm going to go ahead and prophesy to you, you're still connected to Ishbosheth. Some of you in this room are still connected to what was. Some of you are still connected to the spirit of Saul. You're still connected to the spirit that was here. And you've never really connected to the spirit that is here. And I'm going to encourage you, if you're still connected to what was here, go find what was here. And get connected to what was here. And y'all do your thing. Do your thing. Listen. I, I'm fixing to get real vulnerable. You might not clap out of this. I think it's get very transparent, very vulnerable. It's the only way I know to be. Some people like it. Some people abhor it. But let me just say something to you. 
The gifting and calling of God is irrevocable. The gifting and calling of God is irrevocable. The pastor that was here before me was gifted and called. And that gifting and calling is irrevocable. And if you're connected to that pastor and that pastor is living right with God and he starts a ministry and you want to go be a part of it, go. Well, I need your blessing. You're blessed. If you want to be connected to that, you go be connected to that. And I know he's watching right now, and I speak the blessing of God over you, brother. I pray God's best for you. And uh, my encouragement to you is find you a pastor. And you get restored and do it right. And hold up. Quit running from your restoration. The people you pastor are not the people to restore you. You've got to find a restorer. You have to find a pastor to restore you. Amen. Now listen, is that clear enough for y'all? So if you, all I'm saying is, man, if you're going to be a part of Quest, sell out, man. Just, just sell out all the way and be a part of Quest. Let's everybody stand.